0: Show this person that you understand them inside and out and you understand what their pain points are.
1: Hi, I'm Neil Malik.
0: Hey, I'm Jenny Strebe. Steve Sleeper from the Professional Beauty Association. Hi, I'm Philip Wolf, and you're listening to the Hair Game Podcast.
2: Hey, everybody. Donovan here, your producer of the Hair Game Podcast once more this week, filling in for your host, Eric Taylor. Uh, quick announcement to remind you, Huntington Beach location, our newest Salon Republic location, will be opening soon, coming up quick, looking to be open up in April. So make sure to get your tours booked and get your spot. We are reserving spots before we open. So if you want to do that, book a tour at SalonRepublic.com and check it out all right moving on to the episode with hunter donia the two marketing rules that never change Uh, we cover that in addition to a bunch of other marketing topics this guy is a treasure trove of information regarding all things marketing so in addition to the marketing rules we talk about how to target your ideal clients uh best website creation tools and booking apps and also fighting the effects of inflation through your price raises. There's a ton of stuff, and this is a two-parter, people. We got more coming next week because we couldn't cover everything in this first episode with Hunter, so enjoy. Hey, Hunter,
1: how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. So this is one of my favorite types of podcasts because you and I haven't met yet. Yeah. And so with all of my natural curiosity, I come into this conversation and I think it's I think it makes for the best listening experience. Sometimes if somebody, if I've known somebody for a long time it's almost like eavesdropping on a conversation. I'm like, remember that one time when we were whatever? And, and they're like, Haha, oh yeah, that was so great. And that's not right. fun to listen to for the audience. So here we are. Are. You are a hairstylist business educator, so we have so many things to get into. Actually, you're my favorite category of person to interview on the podcast too, because it's less work on me. Because <laughs> y- you're the one who is the expert on all these things, so all I have yeah. to do is drop a topic, and then like I go get a drink, maybe I go to the bathroom, <laughs> and you just you just take it for like twenty minutes. Dude, you have the perfect person here right now because I can just
0: talk, especially about this stuff, like, I, as I'm sure that you are, you know, like as I know you are, I'm very passionate about this, this industry, and I'm very, very, very passionate about the business side of things, and so trust and believe, I'll take over, and I'll do all the talking for you today. You go get your margarita or whatever <laughs> you're looking to get. It's all cool.
1: Well, don't entice me. Okay, <laughs> so uh, no, I'm here for the full time, and we're gonna start with uh, who you are. Like, how'd you get into this business? So just kind of give us your origin story. Yeah.
0: Um, so my name is Hunter Donya, an industry business educator, as you said. And I started in this industry at the young age of 15 years old. So I um, I, I came out as a gay man or gay boy, as you could say, when I was in like seventh grade. And uh, with that came me like expressing myself on the outside as well, too. So I started to wear makeup. I started to like color my hair. These box dye, like crazy manic panic jobs that I did on my hair, I would like have a new hair color walking into my school every month. It was ridiculous.
1: And hold on, that was allowed at your school?
0: It was allowed in my school. Yeah, I went to public school mm-hmm. and luckily, luckily, you know, I grew up in the, that era where it was a little more accepted. Definitely, you know, definitely got bullied, definitely got the stares from teachers. I had teachers tell me some crazy stuff, but, um, you know, it was so worth it for me, right? It was, it was very worth it for me to deal with all that crap um, in order to, f- like, feel like I was being authentic and being my true self out in the world, you know?
1: And so, were your was your family unit supportive of all this? Because obviously, it has to be has to have been an incredibly traumatic experience at that age, so young
0: sure i so my parents and like my family and my friends everybody was cool with me being gay where the issue was was like with the hair and makeup like they were cool with me like being who i was and they don't care who like i love and who i'm attracted to whatever it may be but they care about my safety and my health and like all of that stuff and so they're just worried about bad things happening to me and and so you know me being gay and going out in the world and being very expressive about it and and not dressing you know the the normal way, right, Um, definitely, you know, put me at, at risk in one way or another, and it still does to this day. And they were worried about that. And so it's funny that you asked me that question, because this industry means so much to me, because when I... When I was going through that process and when I was coming out to my parents and when I was fighting with them endlessly about like Me wearing makeup and expressing myself me and my mom's relationship at the time was not good Like she me and her like really got into it about how I was expressing myself And it wasn't until I actually started working in the salon and when I was 16 and she saw all of these stylists, right, and all of these clients coming in and out of the salon, celebrating me and telling her how much like they loved that I expressed myself and like wore makeup and stuff. And and it goes back to you know I, I started vocational school at uh, my my sophomore year of high school, and I and when I walked into the room, it it really as, felt as like an I alternative to people. high school. Um, no, so it was like a half day program. So you would do the first four uh, periods as your high school, like your normal high school, and then you would do the rest of the day at the vocational school. So I graduated high school with my graduate, with my uh, cosmetology license and my diploma. Yeah, I was, another thing I'm very privileged and grateful for, um, uh, my dad, I had to beg my dad to let me go. (laughs) It was, it was a, it was a fight to get in there, but it was one of the best decisions ever made. And so this industry means a whole lot to me because it was really like the first place where I felt fully celebrated and accepted for who I was and not only that but I'm also a a place and a space where I'm able to have the privilege of making that same impact on other people like helping them feel great on the inside and the outside helping them feel fully in their own identity and power um, because of their expression, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly what I've been doing and how I feel about my express expression physically, right? And being able to give that to other people is so amazing. And what I hate to see, what I hate to see, because I know many, many other hairstylists can relate to my joy of making this impact. What I hate to see is, is when hairstylists aren't equipped with the business knowledge or skills or tools to make this a sustainable career path for themselves, and so that's why I ended up becoming an educator and getting into what I'm doing now.
1: Okay, so thank you for that story; it was amazing, and it's so happy that your your parents were supportive. If not, you know, initially with your yeah. expression uh, of who you are, but mm-hmm. um, maybe when you found your community and they they maybe felt comfortable that you were safe. Yes, then that that gave them some. Uh, relief maybe. Um, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause not all, every story is that way. No, right? absolutely. Not, not every family is okay. Um, w- with, with all of that. So, mm-hmm. okay. So you found your community, you, you, uh, started working in a salon very early age. I love the efficiency of going to high school and vocational school, you know, because how many people they go to college, you know, they're, they're, they struggle through high school and maybe they're dyslexic or something and of course they have so much value to bring to the world but maybe it isn't from reading a textbook and regurgitating historical facts yeah. and so they don't do well in school and then they're supposed to, their parents want them to go to college so they struggle through that and it's a nightmare, they lose confidence, whatever so I love the efficiency of finding what you want to do at such an early age, getting licensed for it, so yeah. you graduate from high school and uh you have your beauty license and you go to work at a very early age and so was that it were you like off to the races in the salon yeah
0: Yeah, so i got my first job at a salon literally like my my first day there was on my 16th birthday like it was like a wednesday i was like i'm not doing anything anyway and i'm like really excited for this job so i'll work today (laughs) hold on sorry
1: pause i apologize to the audience because I didn't ask where you're from because that has so much to do with somebody's story. Where are you from?
0: 100%, especially me specifically with the beauty industry, because I'm in Pennsylvania. And so, um, Pennsylvania booth rental is actually illegal. So your only routes. And when I was, when I was 16, the only route was the commission salon, like, or the W two salon, one way or another, that Mm -hmm. that was it, you know, um, now, you know, suites have definitely started to become popularized at least in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And it, took a little bit for us to catch up because you know the, the legality of it is it was a little bit sketchy when it first started to come out but That's right I, be, I believe the rule is like you either need to be a w2 of the salon or you need to be the owner of the business and right. then you can operate as as the operator in pennsylvania mm-hmm. and and so i actually got a job at the salon that i got my hair done at um, and then because i had been putting in my time as an assistant and as a personal assistant for so long. Um, it took me a little bit after I got my license to get onto the floor, just a little bit of like just, you know, really proving to them that like I'm ready to go. And then I was off to the races, like you said, and I started taking clients.
1: Very good. And and you're very young. So are you still behind the chair? That I am. Um, I'm only doing hair probably
0: like one or two days a week at this point. The majority of my time now is focused on my education. Same salon? No, so I started a commission salon. I was there for a couple years, and then I moved out to middle of nowhere, Amishland, Pennsylvania, and to live with my boyfriend at the time. That's
2: interesting, um,
0: yeah, I started at a new commission salon out there. Um it was it, it was a little bit of a rocky road. i I, it, I had a really hard time growing my clientele there. And I felt like it was because I knew I could create a much more curated and effective client experience that would grow my clientele. Elsewhere and and it was that wasn't the optimal place for me to do. So so I took a big risk I had like no clientele because I had moved far away took a big risk and I opened up my own salon suite And when I opened up the salon suite, I absolutely blew up I got like three I was three and a half months booked solid with five new guest requests a week because of all my marketing efforts that I put in
1: in the same area
0: in that same Amish land area. Yes. Amazing,
1: amazing. Okay, so obviously, you know, I'm I'm the Salon Republic guy and yep. been doing it 23 years and I know the value of, you know, independence and, 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 and for the beauty professional to do things the way they want and how that can lead towards success. But um, the, the such a stark difference between your experience in the commission salon and then in your own studio. So tell us how. The difference was...
0: I got a lot of education. Like I, I got really obsessed with the business side of things. I have been doing brand education and a lot of the times what comes with brand education is you learn a lot of sales strategy. You learn how to sell some freaking products and some add ons, you know? So started there. I got really obsessed with making money and I was really great at a in the chair client experience and raising my average ticket. But what I was missing was like the marketing side of things. And so I dove deep into industry education, non-industry education, taking notes just from like, uh, business educators and marketing leaders like you know just outside of our industry and i learned a lot what i learned was that if you want to create a really effective marketing funnel one that gets you new guest requests and that are ideal that you actually love taking care of and you get more services that you want to do then the the experience that you create off online and before they come to see you and when they come into the salon has to be specifically curated to that person and branded for me, you know, and I knew that if I was going to be by myself, I made all the decisions. I made all the decisions of uh, what my marketing actually looked like, what colors I was using, what copy we we were using on, on a website, and and then what the experience actually looked like in the chair. And it really allowed me to step into my power and my CEO and put my CEO hat with no um, with nothing holding me back. You know, there was nothing holding me back from implementing these ideas. I had the full reins, and my my previous uh, that commission salon owner that I left, she was absolutely amazing. Super business minded as well too. And she listened to our ideas. Uh, she was absolutely a fantastic leader and a great business owner, but there was nothing, there was no absolute way for me to create the thing that I created while I was in that space.
1: Sure. Sure. That's not a surprise to anybody. Uh And, (laughs) and and so you're able to do what you wanted to do, and you went out there, and, and it worked, and, yeah. and, and, and amazing. And you're, I'm sure you're you know, keeping more of your money and doing all these kinds of things. So why don't we just start with marketing? Yeah. Um, why do we market in the beauty industry? We market to put the butts in the chairs. And you, you said something that's so important, which is the right kind of butts in the chairs. We have right kind of client, right? Um, and you're doing the right kind of service. So here we are, 2023. It's the new year. Um, what what are the best methods for marketing? And speak Ooh. to the hairdressers who are listening, who are uh, maybe a couple years into the industry and they're still just figuring things out. This is
0: great, great, great question, and very relevant. We're actually on my side of things with the education. we're We're diving really deep into marketing right now. So at the time of recording this, so great, relevant a- a question. So the thing about marketing is the rules don't change. Um, the fundamental rules don't change. You're always, what you're always looking to do when you are putting yourself out there and you're looking to get new clients, new customers, and butts into your chair, right? What you're always trying to do is, is show this person that you understand them inside and out, and you understand what their pain points are, and what their problems are, and show them that you have solutions and you are the expert in solving their problem. Like, that is, that is all of it dialed down into um, the fundamental uh, uh, theory of how marketing, effective marketing, works. And in 2023, we are very and you know, a lot of people will will disagree with me, but I feel very blessed to be in this age of uh, of digital marketing, of social media, where we can reach people so such a larger group of people so quickly and efficiently, and. When we when we think about like oh I have to post on social media to, to grow my clientele and we think about it as such a chore, um, it, it makes it even worse for ourselves. You know if we f- if we find it as such like a uh, a chore and something that is really hard and something that we don't want to do, when in reality I think that it is such a beautiful opportunity and tool that we should realize that we have the, that we have to be able to utilize now that we've never had before. We have never had this capability of reaching as many people as in, in such a short amount of time ever. Right. And that is really powerful for you as a business owner and especially as one that's creative and can create a really beautiful visual brand and, and it also allows you to very much easily bring in the services and clients that you want to do and so if you're if you're not really leaning into social media right now or maybe you are leaning into social media and you're not getting the results that you're looking for there's two things that you need to be doing either either one or the other and it's always you're always optimizing both of them is number one understanding the fundamentals of marketing understanding like what a target market or ideal client profile actually looks like and then uh, understanding how to actually use a social media channel to um to speak to that person and and you know i you asked me like what's the best way or what should we be doing in 2023 it completely depends on who your ideal client profile is right
1: okay so pick a and pick a a profile uh uh, any profile you want and then tell us how you would market to that profile
0: Oh, that's such a, that's so good. So (laughs) I, so I'll give you mine. So I'll give you mine behind the chair. So my, uh, my ideal client profile is Kendall. She is 29 ish years old. She's just about to get engaged. She has like an $80,000 a year job and, um, she likes to travel a lot. She likes to have fun with her friends. She has this like half work from home, half going into the office job. So, so, and so she's busy. She doesn't want to be spending a lot of her time, like doing chores or, um, going and having to get her hair done all the time, and, and uh, she travels, and she ha- she wants to look good for all of her recreational re- activities, and so, therefore, she needs a salon experience that is a little bit more low maintenance for her, but is still going to be high impact and look good on her. So, mm-hmm. I specialize in low maintenance color. I specialize in balayage in one way or another, whatever you want to call it, and so, I am the perfect solution for Kendall, and I have these perfect solutions for her where I, I can give her a hair color that looks absolutely great on her without her having having to come to the salon super frequently, right? And so, the way that I market to Kendall is I I get real data and feedback first when I'm creating an ideal client profile. So I survey a couple people who I believe that are fit into that profile, right? And then I use that real data and feedback and I figure out, where are these people showing up? Like, where are these people spending their time when they're searching for a hairstylist or a beauty service? What keywords are they putting into the search bar, right? And based upon that data, um, I, fi- I find out that Kendall is on Instagram. Like that is where she's going to find her hairstylist.
1: Okay. Pause. So w- you're talking about serving the clients. Now, are you, and, and I can hear the listeners collectively th- uh, having question marks popping up above their head. And of course everyone listening is thinking, okay, so I know, um, Jane is my ideal client, just like Kendall's is Hunter's. And so Jane, and so Hunter's telling me to go to Jane and, and like, give her a survey to fill out or like, how, how, how does the listener get this data?
0: Great question. And so I, my entire, my entire education is all about systems. Um, and I teach a lot of technology and I, and I teach, uh, Salons, how to digitize their digitize their business and become digitally mature and um forms digital forms are like the core of my entire business and everything that i teach and so yeah creating a digital form and then um giving this giving that form to those clients and then having them fill it out and getting that data back not new clients
1: but existing clients
0: Absolutely. That's the thing. It's like you have these people in your chair right now. You're just not ask, you're just not
1: utilizing them, you know. So here's um, listeners thinking, wait, I have to give I have to send a form to Jane. Jane doesn't want to fill out a form. <laughs> I love these freaking hard-hitting
0: questions. It's so good. This is why you're a good podcaster because you you think about what the listener's experience is. So I've actually I'm actually doing a workshop, um, a, a four-hour workshop that's going to be coming up actually in the next couple weeks. I don't know when this podcast episode is going to be released, but um, it a workshop that I've done before with my members in which I actually gave them the template for the form. I gave them the verbiage for how to uh, for how to uh, what to say when you're asking your client to fill out this form and I've had absolutely great success and my my students have as well too and so if you go about it the right way it can really, your clients are totally happy to give you those, that feedback, especially if they're ideal clients that you actually want to hear from, you know?
1: Okay. So let's say hairstylist listener, uh, guess this form because she, she went on to your, um, website and she, um, um listened to your, your education. She, she went down the hunter funnel mm-hmm. and she's learning all these things. Um, she gets this data. Okay, now what? Sorry, because I I, I made you digress into that kind of uh, nuance. So now now the hairstylist listener has the information of what their ideal client, uh, how they search on Instagram and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yep. And then the next step, after you
0: have this ideal client profile down, which you, from this data and feedback, you would go through a process. And I, I I walk people through a process where you understand what their attributes are. So that's like your brand colors, what the demographic of this person is, like all the things that I kind of mentioned about my Kendall, you know, and then you, then you want to understand what their pain points are. So what all of their problems are, what their pain points are around their hair. And then you want to understand what their objections are. So any of their objections are things like um they're kind of like limiting beliefs like they're things that are gonna stop the client from actually pressing the book now button so that could be like um i don't know if this investment is going to be worth it for me i don't know if it's actually possible for me to love my hair color if i'm not coming in every four weeks like Mm -hmm. things like that right and then once you understand those things then what you do is is you create a funnel and you figure out and you 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 design a marketing funnel <clears throat> And a marketing funnel is going back to figuring out what channels these people are in and where they would end up finding a hairstylist. And for some people, this might not include social media. Like That is totally okay. There's some demographics who are not on social media, which is good news for some people, bad news for other people. Um, But it's just gonna depend on who you're targeting, right? And so you figure out what channels these people are showing up in, and so that way you can put yourself in those channels and actively find those people and passively allow those people to find you right Mm -hmm. so then you figure out what channels you show up in and then after that the next step in the funnel after they become aware of you is going into your profile on your channel or learning more about you or seeing reading your reviews on google my business whatever it may be and starting to trust you a little bit right um, maybe you can get their email address and maybe you consistently nurture your email list and you send them emails that are uh, 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 further proving that you are the authority of your craft and you are the person who can solve their problem then they should go to your website everybody should have a website in 2023 this is like a non-negotiable no matter what ideal client profile you have everybody should have a website a very curated website one that you created yourself or you are have heavy involvement in and based upon your ideal client Pause. profile Go ahead.
1: Favorite website creator.
0: Squarespace is my personal one. I've used Wix, I've used Show It, and we actually as a team, we just switched to Squarespace and we favor it the most. However, Wix is fine. It's it's okay. It's fine. So
1: okay. yeah. Proceed. So,
0: um, they go to the website, and the website is like the decision making place. Like, this is your make or break. Like, once they go to the website, you know they're really interested and they want to learn more information. So, on your website, you'll take all of those pain points and all of those objections, and that you understand now that you've done your real data feedback, feedback research, and you will make sure all of the copy, all of the words on the website. Uh, attack all those pain points, attack all of those objections and prove that you are the right fit for this person and that they are ready to book with you. And then they go ahead and book with you, go through your booking procedure, whatever that may look like. That's a whole other podcast episode. We'll get there. <laughs> yes. that, that's coming up. That
1: question is coming up. Keep going. Okay, great, great, great. Um,
0: and then you you go on from there. And, and it's just a consistent process of showing up and creating and, and doing active marketing efforts to show up in those channels and get more eyeballs on your funnel that you've created and be make sure that you're posting content that is really relevant to that ideal client profile and um then your funnel keeps working like a well oiled machine you know you get new leads that come in you nurture them and then they start booking with you and then it just keeps on going and going and
1: going and then word of mouth of course as well
0: 100% it's a yes absolutely and that's where that's where your client experience comes in right like that's where we want to make sure when somebody actually comes into the door what does that client experience look like to where we're actually proving to them that we're we we know our shit right and that we're going to give them a experience that is well worth the price or more where they're going to want to shout your name from the rooftops and then that just naturally creates that organic
1: traffic right. because kendall knows kylie and kylie right. knows kim <laughs> and and, yes. and so on and so forth and they tend to be within your ideal client scenario right exactly and exactly. so that word of mouth can kick in there and and isn't that just magic Magical. Okay. So you mentioned booking. This is something that I wanted to ask you because now and then I post on my Instagram stories something about, uh, you know, what booking app are you using? And I am deluged with DMs about which one should I use? Mm. Or, you know, I use Square and I used to love it. Now I hate it then I loved it. Now I hate it. And then I, I jump to X, Y, Z and it's okay, but I'm trying X this, I'm trying Y that. And so it's just a very difficult thing for people to determine what is the best one for them. So I'm going to ask you, what's the best booking app?
0: Great question. Um, I am, I am on, I'm, I'm on the same page as you where I am not, uh, I'm not really affiliated with anyone. I do have my preferences. However, I think that you need to understand what your priorities are when it comes to a booking system, and then you need to make a strategic decision based upon what your priorities are. If, in my opinion, in my experience, in my students' experiences, if you want to prioritize, and this is especially for the independent people listening to this, because we are in a business where being independent has a lot of responsibility that comes with it. And if you wanna hold yourself to a really high standard and you wanna be doing all the things to be as successful as possible, there's a lot of tasks that build up, right? And if you wanna really prioritize using your booking system to use online booking and to streamline and automate and delegate your booking off to your clients, then you need to be prioritizing a booking system that has a really efficient online booking flow that your clients are going to enjoy using, right? So like that should be a really simple interface. And so I really favor uh, Square for that. I think Square has the absolute most simple interface and booking flow for for a general public who uh would not understand hair things right and not only that but but I mean, we can talk. I mean, I can go so many different directions with this, but Square has the most simple booking interface. So, if you want to prioritize, you know, online booking, right? And you really want to prioritize uh, uh, streamlining and automating and getting those responsibilities off your shoulders, then I'd be prioritizing the online booking uh, capabilities of that system. If you want to uh, uh, prioritize your profitability and your budget, then you're going to want to look for the lowest processing fees, right? It's just really going to depend on what your priorities are. And I think that your priorities change as you grow and as you go through the journey of being a business owner you know and and whatever part of that journey you're in and it, i think it's totally okay to want to switch and want to explore and wants to change things up um but it really does depend i think but i recommend my three favorite and not only are these my three favorite but they're also like three of the massivest ones right now um is gloss genius Vigaro, and square and square is my personal favorite choice because i teach and i um uh coach to, and I prioritize my online booking interface like that is my most important factor of my entire decision making process
1: all right, so there you got it. Square used to be free it's no longer free um now that they're charging, are they adding functionality because of the hundreds of booking apps like there's literally hundreds yeah, if it, literally I've yeah. actually done the work and i've searched and I've delved into some of these there's hundreds. Um, there is a bit of an arms race to yeah. add functionality and various other elements to the services. So, you know, one of the obvious ones is the uh, merchant processing, the credit card processing. They pretty much all have that now. And there's things like. Uh, cancellation protection, there's things like, um, you know, fill your books last minute sort of a thing, and you can toggle these on, toggle it off, you know, show your schedule, not show your schedule. So, how is one, unless they're me sitting in front of my multiple computer screens in my office, in my nice, quiet office delving deep into research, thing, researching these different ones how is a very busy hairstylist supposed to figure out which set of functionality is best for them? So I have
0: a, I I did a podcast episode about this. So it's, I did a Gloss Genius versus Vigal versus Square. um, And I break down all of the differences between each of them. And I even created a free guide for people that compares them side by side. So if you're more of a visual person versus auditorial, or if you want to listen to both, right? Um, Because I get this question all the time. And I think that would be the best place to start. Because I know like starting a free trial and like exploring things yourself is just painful. (laughs) Like it just is a painful process especially if you don't get to actually put it to the test, right? right? Like actually use it. And so I just did the hard work for people and I made the guide and I made the comprehensive episode. And I, and I think that would be really helpful for people to start if you are listening to this.
1: Okay, good enough. All right, so now the curveball. Okay. You recommend not putting the booking link yes. on your online profiles. <laughs> so you just told us. <laughs> that if you wanna be automated and streamlined and efficient and awesome and make more money and have more time for your family or whatever, that you wanna use online booking. And now you're telling us that you don't put the link on there. So explain.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is a misconception that I that I hear a lot. In my own marketing and from my own people because I do say that I do say don't have your online booking link anywhere to the public Um, But that does not mean I'm not a very strong uh, a supporter of online booking I think it is it is just the way of the world now Um, and and the secret to sustainability as an independent stylist Here's what happens when we put our online booking link in the public There's a couple things that happen and when we use it as our websites, right? Like I know a lot of online booking sites, like they'll, they, or booking software they'll like give you a quote unquote website. This is what happens. You, number one, you're losing the opportunity to have somebody go through your entire funnel before they see your, your price and your availability, because If you allow somebody to go through your entire funnel and you allow allow somebody to go through all the copy on your website, right? And see your services in the way that you want them to see them. It can make your services or dealing with your availability and your schedule a lot more worth it to somebody. Versus if somebody is just like running through, right, and just sees your Instagram and just clicks the book it now button and they see your prices and they see your availability, they might not be nurtured enough yet to find it, find those prices or your availability that they have to flex now for worth it enough for you yet. So number one, for your marketing and for your efficiency of actually putting these ideal clients through your funnel and and having people who are willing to spend these higher prices with you. That's number one number two as an independent stylist and we were talking about my safety and how i'm putting myself out there as a gay man and expressing myself on the outside right um as an independent i always found that it was a little scary that my business address was just all over social media and that everybody could just go online and see my schedule when i'm working when i'm not at all times and not only that but anybody can just book an appointment and book anything that they want. And I have no idea who this person is. And so for my safety, that's another thing and the and not to mention if they if this random person books something on my I have no idea who this person is. I have no idea what service they want. I have no idea what service they need, right? I don't even know if they booked the right thing so what i recommend instead is having one place and one process for every single one of your clients to be a new client to be booking with you and that is through a digital form and so filling out a new guest questionnaire first which then will put them through like an automated booking process you'll be able to still have control over what they book online and yes they will still book online but First, they're going to go through your questionnaire first, so you can get the information that you need. You're a little bit comfortable with this person. If you need to, you see their name. You can Facebook stalk them before you let them on your book. You know, um, that is what I would recommend doing instead. And th- those are the reasons why.
1: Okay, so that's kind of so you're you're suggesting an in, an in, in a consultation, if not virtual, you know, consultation before you. Agree to see them because Correct. that's going to avoid those very strange new uh, visits from yes. s- from people you don't know who come in and they booked for a, a service that is that for an hour but yet they want a color correction, precise right and and maybe it's something you don't want to do or you know whatever um, and and we hear about those all the time so i like that so i i want a little bit more detail about that so let's say i am um kendall although i you don't know me so i'm i'm um kylie okay, okay. so i'm kylie no kylie right <laughs> so kylie uh goes onto your website and let's say she goes through the language the copy she's sold and she starts, you know, wanting to work her way down the funnel to, to booking an appointment. And so you, you're going to have a link that says, is it going to say book an appointment? She clicks on that and then it goes to a form. Correct. So it'll say
0: like, start here and you'll, you'll explain what your process is on your web page, Right. So I, I, I coached you a new guest page. It's a specific new guest page. And then, and, and then, um, on that page, it says, uh, this is what your process is going to look like. You're just going to fill out this short form. You're going to tell me a little bit about yourself to make sure that we're on the same page and I know what I'm getting myself into. And then I'm going to tell you what to book online, and then you're going to book it online like that. And then I that that's the process that's Mm -hmm. the process and then yes i share with them that they're gonna and actually if you want to make it even more marketable you can even say like you give people a free digital consultation first before they start working with you so that it seems like more of like a commodity instead of just like a process
1: Mm Hmm. mm Hmm. okay so you receive the form correct on your end and you read the form and you're like well kylie sounds a lot like kendall (laughs) <laughs> and and, in other words, I think that Kylie would be a great client. I think I she has issues that I can certainly help her with, and all that. and And then, so you reach out to Kylie and and then and if everything is cool, then you send her the booking app link.
0: Correct. And so the way that I have people set up their systems and what I teach in my and my courses and my programs uh, is, I'll get the submission and I ask all the right questions. You can even have people upload pictures um, and you get all the information that you need. Mm -hmm. You review the app, you you I call it an application on our end. We don't call it an application to the clients. Yeah I I review the application and I I see like all the things that they want. I see their pictures, inspiration, things, all the things. And based upon all those answers, I'm able to decide, make a pretty good educated guess of what they would need to book online with me, right? If for whatever reason I still needed more information, I either email or i would ask for having an in-person consultation first but if i'm pretty sure i'm like okay this person needs to book this package with me i have these like automated buttons set up with this form software where I get the submission, and then it asks me to click a button, and each of these buttons are preloaded with uh, pre-written emails that correspond to my booking packages that they can choose from. And so I'll, I'll get the submission, and it'll ask me, okay, which one do they do you want to do? And I'll say, okay, this person needs to book for my my quote unquote complete package. So then I click the complete back package button. It sends them an email that automatically. I just literally click the button and sends them an email. Says, hey, like super excited to get started with you. Based upon your answers, you're gonna to book the complete online here's the instructions to do so here's the link have so much fun can't wait to see you soon
1: okay got it now i am listening to you and i'm thinking some clients may and and i already know what you're gonna tell me but some (laughs) some clients (laughs) some clients are gonna be going you know tap dancing around the top of your funnel and looking down the funnel, thinking, God, that's a long funnel. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that Hunter is asking me to do here, and I, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm committing to something without knowing exactly, and I don't, I don't know how much it's going to cost. But I'm having to fill out a form, and I, just, I, I, I don't want to do that. So, do you ever hear that feedback? Like it's just maybe too much. Sure,
0: absolutely. So here's the two things. Here's the two things I'm going to say to this. So number one. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is is that you if if you have people who are saying that then you haven't done your job in your marketing. Like, that's what I'll say. I, I'll say you haven't prepped this person enough to want to do the work, right? You haven't you haven't shown this person in your marketing because that is what we have the capability of doing online and in, in our website nowadays. You haven't given this person enough of a reason to want to do the work. And once you really master your marketing, you understand how to talk to this person inside and out and like really get under their skin and make them want to book an appointment with you. Somebody is going to be dying to fill out that form. Like that is what you want to create.
1: Well, I guess Kyle, is going to be dying to fill out the form. But maybe right. Karen won't. Exactly. And is that such a bad thing? <laughs> well, it kind of goes back to your point. Right. And, and I so pol- second I, thing I, I was going to say. I just want to make a, a comment here, maybe a PSA. I want to apologize to every Karen. To all the Karens It's just out so there. unfair. I know. You know it's, it's like, I know so many amazing Karens. <laughs> I have great friends named Karen. And yet, Like the entire culture has thrown that one name under the bus and I just want to say it's unfair. It's very unfair. And
0: when I first started educate educating, and I would give people like verbiage or I'd use examples, I would say I would always use the name Karen. And now I'm much more diligent. And I'll I'll still use Karen, but I'll switch it out. Would be like Susie or like Suzanne or like whoever. <laughs> I'll just like throw in some different names. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, like is that such a bad thing if like Karen is deterred from from this process? Because right. the thing is, is like once this person starts doing, and especially for the independents out here, right? especially for the independents i feel you understand you inside and out that's why i created all these systems for myself this person, if they're not willing to do this work on the front end, what makes you think that they're going to be a great fit for your business and the sustainability of your lifestyle in the long term? Is this person going to stick around through the price increases? Is this gonna this person going to stick around when you decide to remove Saturdays from your schedule? Is this person going to stick around when you change the ways that you want to go about your your procedures, right? You want to be filtering out those people so you can avoid a whole lot of stress later. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm a firm believer in in not letting our clients run our business. Like you are the CEO. You is, again, to the independence, You decided to be independent so that way you could run your business how you want to run it. And it is completely possible for you to have the best of both worlds. To have these boundaries, have this automation, have have these procedures, but also give a really excellent client experience at the same time. And. And I think that there is something to be said for short-term sacrifice for long-term gain when you are at the beginning of your career. Absolutely. You have to put in some work. You have to break your boundaries a little bit. It just is what it is. But once you have passed that point, it's time for you to make these changes. You've deserved it. You've earned it.
1: Yeah, it's always that difficult thing in the beginning. You just touched on it right there. We want, you know, that new uh, beauty professional wants, needs money. They need clients. I mean, some people aren't even sure really where they want to focus their services. Right. They may not even know what who is their ideal client. Right. Um, so th- there is kind of that uncomfortable period of time, maybe where you're learning these things, and then you have to transition from uh, the... Um, trying to make everyone happy stage of your career in the beginning, yes. and, and taking all comers um, into the the refined notion of maybe fewer perfect uh, uh, um, Kendall clients, right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree with that.
1: Yeah. A very hot topic these days. Yeah. Given the inflationary environment that we're in, milk is double the cost. Nobody really drinks milk. Okay, oat milk is double the cost. <laughs> it's always been double the cost. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> it's double the cost of what it was last year. Yes. And, yes. Um, you know, fill in the blank. And so, we've been railing for, you know, a year plus, because I, I saw this coming down the pike when the government was pouring money into the economy. Um with zero accountability to it. We are obviously going to have inflation. We have inflation, and that means beauty professionals need to increase their prices. Um, And and the entire entire economy around offering beauty services is forcing these things. So, I mean, to, to have a space... Um, whether even if it's a, an apartment, even if you're doing hair illegally in your house, that the apartment is more expensive. Certainly, the retail space is more expensive. The electricity is fifty percent more than it was two years ago. The if you want somebody at a front desk, that person is considerably more expensive. Gasoline to get there is more expensive. So everything is putting upward pressure on all prices. Um, especially services provided by humans. Oh. And so, how annoying is it that um, in our industry, people struggle so much. With being diligent about raising their prices. Okay, so that wasn't really a question. The, the, what's important about this topic is the best way to raise your prices. And I know that you deal with this, mm-hmm. so I'll just throw you the ball and, and yeah. you run with it in whatever form you want. So
0: here's my tea. Do you mind me throwing in my, my, per, my opinion with this too? No, please. Okay. So what, what my, do you mean your tea? my tea <laughs> my tea is like my my opinion my it can mean anything it's like a noun for like a lot of things my my what, like is, like tea you drink My truth how about truth, my truth? My truth. okay got it got it so my my the, i think the first thing that we should be talking about before we talk about like absolutely raise your prices yes because the majority of people are ready and can sustain a price increase for the most part and just have not done it because they're too nervous to do it or they don't know how to go about it, we need to talk about if you're in a space in your business where you can't afford to have a price increase, right? And you should know that, right? The majority of the time, people are in a space where you can do a price increase and you will be just fine. But a lot of the times, uh, 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 the, uh, there's, there's certain people in certain businesses and circum- certain circumstances where you may not be ready to, to increase to a certain level if you don't have the demand on your time, right? Like there's, there's a difference between not being able to afford things because of inflation and a difference be- between you can't afford things because you don't have people coming into your door, right? So if you don't have com- people coming into your door, right, I don't want you to go and raise your prices by like $20 per service, right? Like I don't, or 20% even, right? Um, I think anybody for the most part can sustain like a cute little $5 price increase, but it really depends on who you are, what your current circumstances are. So I just want to share that first.
1: A hundred percent. I'm so glad you said that. And I I should have worked that into my question, but um, well, let's address that. And and this is, this is always a big question, Marcus. How do I know? hmm So you'll know by your,
0: like I said, the demand on your time. And again, it's kind of different for everybody. And it depends on what your specialty is and what your nature of your services are. Right. However, if you are like a good, like, if you're like a good, like two to like four weeks booked out, right. If you're a good two, week, two to four weeks booked out, then you can normally handle like a good, like, to $15 price increase across your services. It's really not going to do too much damage to you, right? If you are like barely a week booked out at a time, you can do no more than a $5 price increase across your services. And this is super general advice. This is generalized advice that is not taking into consideration people's specific nuances. Um, But if you're any more solidly booked than four, four weeks, and if you have new guest requests coming in, because it's not just about how booked out you are, it's also, do you have people who are going to be behind the people who leave you from your price increase, right? Um, uh, uh, If you don't have those new guest requests coming in and you want to do a big enough price increase where you will lose people, then do you have the demand on your time from new people who can fill in those gaps, right? So. It, there's a lot of different factors that go into it, and and I, I think that that's why having having mentors who are willing to have these conversations with people is important. I give a lot of support and live calls in my programs because I just don't think there's, like, a calculator for this. I think that there's so many super specific things that you can only, like, hear from people's actual experience to decide these things. Mm. And I also think, too—I can go on—again, this is a whole other podcast episode— I think too, you have to decide what is the reason for the price increase. Like, if this is an inflation or cost of goods increase, then it's gonna be a little bit smaller, right? It's gonna be between the $5 to $15 range. If this is an increase where there is so much demand on your time, where you're overwhelmed with your books, where you can't fit in a new client for like weeks or months, then that's when we need to be looking at a little bit of a higher price increase to make up for the fact that you have so much demand on your time. So, um, so price increases, again, a whole other podcast episode, but hopefully I answered your question in one.
1: Yes. Way or you did. What is the best way to deliver that information? Great clients. So I teach people
0: in my programs to send a video. I love a freaking video. So I teach people how to create um, uh, uh, actually just like a simple Canva presentation just to like have something in the background. And then I teach them to like email blast everybody. And the great thing about a, a video, right? The great thing about video is you are removing the in-person confrontation. So you're not going to be all nervous and choked up and like and like wanting to die and <laughs> like having a panic attack, right? Sweating, <laughs> yes, yes, shaking, flush
1: faced, all the things. Yes,
0: and I've been there, right? And mm-hmm. so, so I, I don't. I think there is definitely something to be said for being able to have those in-person conversations. Those in-person conversations are never going to go away. However, um, it's a great way of having that non-confrontation. Getting your announcement out there and also still having that personal connection that you may have in person, right? It's because- humanity. Exactly, because they can see your face and they hear your voice and you can they can hear the authenticity in your voice when you say, like, I appreciate you so much for sticking with me thus far. And I'm really excited to see what we have going on in this new year. I
1: love that. I love that it's, it's, there's humanity there. They, they can see your tears. They can see you quivering on the video and how scared you are. And that's, that's going to make it harder for them to complain
0: exactly you know the great thing about giving it to people here's like the pros and cons right like the pro and con the pro and con to doing it in person the pro is that you have the humanity right you have that one-on-one connection the con is that you're gonna be really scared you may not be saying you may not say all the things that you want to say that that like that makes sense and that you need to say
1: in the moment it's so hard to come up with a thing Totally. And also
0: not only that, but sometimes we're only human, right? We're only human. Um, I am ADHD and I am at the tail end of Gen Gen Z. And so I grew up like with, with, you know, all this technology and, you know, our generation just sucks at in-person confrontation and in-person conversations. Right. And so I was like, how can I make it so I don't have to do this in person anymore? Because a lot of the times what we also do when we have these in-person confrontations is we screw ourselves over, you know, Susie is going to say like, oh, wow, that's like a lot. And you're like, okay, then you're going to be like, oh my God, no, don't worry about it, Susie. Like you can have like the same price. Like we will, we won't have the the the, the you, strength to actually you follow turn group.
1: tail and run you right. fold like a cheap suit <laughs> cheap suit yes exactly yes that's
0: exactly what can happen right and so those are the that's the pro and the con. And then we have let's say you do like an email announcement, right? Let's say you do an email announcement. And by the way, I do not coach the social media price increases. That's not where you should be doing your price increase. You should be doing it either through an email or in person. It is what it is. Um, With just an email, no video is you lose the humanity right you lose the humanity you're getting your announcement out there and you're saying all the things that you want to say you're not holding back because you're sending this to everybody but you lose the humanity and somebody's just reading words on a screen and they're not seeing you and hearing your voice right
1: they don't hear the quivering voice and it's much harder for them to reply You know, it's it's that road rage kind of thing. It's much easier to be, you know, pissed off when you're inside your own car when someone cuts you off and you get all pissed. You know, but (laughs) but when but when the person's right in front of you, you're much less likely. And email is the same kind of thing. Right. It's removed. You kind of right. lose that humanity. So, and your clients may really appreciate that too.
0: Like, let's say, I mean, I'm a firm believer that we should be very okay with somebody leaving our business if they can't afford our services. Like, it just is a part of doing business, you know? Sure. And and I just want my people to be happy. Like, that's why we're in this in the very beginning. Like, if we start with why, right? The reason why is because I love to make an impact in other people. And if, if this person is going to be more fulfilled and more happy and be able to fit this into their budget... Going to see somebody else, that's totally okay, and I want to give them space and time to decide if they want to do that. And so, with a email, right, with an email, and you would email this video, right? You would email this video. Um, with that video, it's non-confrontational, so not only can you get out all your all all your things, and you and you, you can do it in a calm way, and you don't hold back, right? this person can also not feel like they're put in this awkward weird position where they can't be honest with you because they're being confronted with this new change as well too right so it allows both of you uh the the provider and the customer to have a really comfortable experience and, and it takes care of it across the board
1: okay so i'm gonna stop you right there we're gonna wrap up this episode and we're gonna come back next week and keep talking about it does that sound good Dude, I'm totally down. Like all these are so good. I'm really enjoying. I mean, this. we're just getting started. I hate to right. do this, but yeah, you know, we we try not to go over an hour. <laughs> Our listeners know that. Listeners, come back next week. We're gonna keep you going I with Hunter. I can talk.
0: Like I, I warned you, <laughs> I, I can talk.
2: Oh, you're crushing. <laughs> Hope you all enjoyed that episode. There's a lot more information coming next week, so tune in with Hunter, Part Two. Before we head off here, we just want to let you know that our podcast does thrive on the opinions of you, the listener. If you have a moment and you're an Apple user, please, please, please leave us a rating and review. You can do that on the Apple podcast app or iTunes. What you do is scroll down to ratings and reviews. You click on the empty purple stars, click five, five is the best. And then also click on write a review. And just let us know what you love most about the Hair Game Podcast. Each rating and review helps us reach more and more of your fellow hair loves. And you know that our goal is to help as many hairdressers as we can find success. Thanks in advance. Next week, Hunterdonia, part two. We'll see you then.